0: Well, yeah, and and to be honest, <clears throat> I think I think that's the one of the big takeaways is that you can be friends with Correct. people who yeah. are, <laughs> you know, who you have fundamental ideological mm-hmm. or scholarly differences with. Um, and in all honesty, I would never presume to try and try and do battle with Bar M and myself no. on new Testament. I'm happy <laughs> yeah. to leave that to the other. Leave guests, that to Peter think, Williams. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the all things, all people podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Jenkins. And if you don't know already, all things, all people exists to develop generations of Christian thinkers to understand and reach the world around them with the transformative message of the gospel. And that's what this show's about. And our guest today is one of the best examples who embodies the mission of all things, all people in what he's been doing for the last 15 years. And that is Justin Brierly. Justin Brierly, for the last 15 years has been host of shows like Unbelievable and Ask NT Write Anything out of Premier Christian Radio, which is a podcast, a radio program in the UK, as well as having just recently launched a YouTube channel where you can watch conversations between the world's foremost non-believing scholars and academics and public figures with the world's most important Christian theologians, academics, and public figures. And they talk about the things that matter. And so he truly was a huge encouragement in the formation of this show and with the overall mission of All Things All People. I've been a fan of Justin for quite a while and his work has been a huge encouragement to me. And so I am excited for you to hear the conversation that he and I had about having as many non-believing fans as believing fans and how that's an encouragement to him because that was the whole reason he started the show. Uh, non-believers love Justin. They feel respected and represented by the people that he brings on the show. But Christians should watch that show and realize that Justin has sat inches away from some of the most ferocious and antagonistic non-believing scholars and he hasn't flinched and the people that he brings on the show have not flinched and so he truly is a great example of what it means to be a christian thinker We also talk about his time with Tom Wright in the Ask NT Write Anything show and just his overall ministry. And so it's an awesome, awesome episode. I'm excited for you to hear it. Make sure to review the show on Apple Podcasts. If you're not an Apple user, share and like the show on whatever social media you use. Follow me on Instagram at allthings.allpeople and a new Twitter account at ATAPpodcast on Twitter. Um, make sure to come and join in and follow so that you don't miss anything, but let's get with it. Our Christian thinker for today, Justin Brierley. My next guest presents Premier Christian Radio's flagship apologetics and theology debate program Unbelievable. The show brings Christians and non-Christians together for dialogue and is also a popular podcast, which has produced an annual evangelism and apologetics conference, obviously not happening right at this very moment because of COVID-19. He is also the host of Ask N.T. Write Anything, where he has privileged the rest of us with, at this point, around 46 conversations with the prolific New Testament scholar. He studied politics, philosophy, and economics at Oxford before beginning his work at Premier, he started the show to help Christians have conversations with their non-believing friends. Some 15 years later, he has sat with skeptics like Bart Ehrman, Peter Singer, and the very popular cosmic skeptic Alex O'Connor, as well as the top believing academics and public figures in the world like Andy Bannister, who's been on this show, Frank Turek, who's actually going to be on the show in two weeks, Tim Keller, William Lane Craig, and one of my new favorites, Amy Or Ewing. Uh, his book unbelievable why after 10 years of talking with atheists i'm still a christian details exactly that how after all these years of speaking with the world's most intelligent non-believers his faith is even more real and vibrant than it was back in 2005. he enjoys creating conversations that matter and tries to make programs and write articles that bring theology and apologetic into the real world and as he says bring more light than heat to the conversations it's my great honor to have on the show today Justin Briarly. Justin, thank you so much for being oh, here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you. Thanks so much for the invitation today. Well, it, it was, um, as I said b- before, we, we pressed record. Uh, you were one of the first people. I, I, I myself am a great fan. Many of, I told you, me and my friends watched the show. Uh, unbelievable. And then my wife and I will listen to you and N.T. Wright discuss anything uh well you you could have a show about uh paint drying and we would listen to it so (laughs) um but that's uh, very kind Jeremy,
0: very kind. I, I haven't yet broached the subject of paint drying with NT Wright but but maybe next time. He
1: could know. do it he could turn it into 45 minutes I it, think. He'd
0: probably say something about how the enlightenment, you know, really mm-hmm. affected our view of paint drying sure. in the modern world, you know, something yeah, like that.
1: And how nobody yeah. understands Paul's actual view on paint <laughs> exactly, drying. Exactly,
0: on paint drying, yes.
1: <laughs> but uh, you know the 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 la- one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is is your goal with Unbelievable and your work with Premier uh, is so similar to the goal that I have with All Things All People, um, which is to to see generations of Christian thinkers raised up. And and that's a phrase I've heard you use before, um, is the idea of bringing Christian thinkers on the show. And one thing that I try and communicate is you don't have to be a well-known Christian to be a Christian thinker. Um, In your opinion, just after years and years of rubbing elbows with the most famous Christian thinkers alive today. What is it that makes somebody a Christian thinker? Well,
0: <laughs> I, I suppose very obviously, um, someone who is, yeah. is just willing to think through um, the implications of their faith. Um, obviously, uh, everyone has their own specialities. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people who are really keyed into the science thing, the biblical thing, the historical right. thing, whatever. Um, but I, I think I think part of it is just that willingness to engage fruitfully with culture. Um, with science with philosophy to not as it were be so narrowly hemmed into something that actually you can't speak to a wide variety of issues so, so I think when I use the catch phrase Christian yeah. thinker," I'm, I'm thinking of people who have that ability I'm yeah. thinking of the N.T. rights, who even yeah. though he's obviously a brilliant New Testament historian seems to be able to apply that in such a variety mm-hmm. of ways yeah. um, someone like John Lennox who although he's you know Forte's science and faith—he yeah. speaks into all kinds of areas very, mm-hmm. very well. So I think I think that's it. You know, that's that's the kind of the broad way in which I think a Christian thinker
1: is able to to speak to all kinds of issues. Sure, and and I've seen you know time and time again. You, I mean, I don't know. You probably don't call yourself a Christian thinker, but I, I me, and and everybody that I know that knows of you would definitely consider you one. Um, but. I don't know how things are in the UK at this very moment. Uh, I had Karen Swallow Pryor on the show recently and and she and I discussed how there seems to be an anti-intellectual idea coming through pop culture is certainly in the United States. Uh, Are things getting more difficult for Christians who want to stop and think about things, Um, you know, maybe not for an NT Wright or a John Lennox, but even for you and me and people who are just trying to, take in what's going on maybe politically and culturally and just stop and think, is it growing more difficult? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe I've got a bit more of a positive
0: view from, sure. from from you on that. Um, and it, did, it does depend a great deal, I think on the, the circles you, you swim in. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I see actually um, a lot of positive signs that the Christian church here in the UK and, and elsewhere mm-hmm. is adopting a more kind of critical and thinking approach to apologetics. I think to, to a large degree, that's been, Forced upon it by the new atheism yeah. uh, of you know mm-hmm. the, the beginning of the 2000s, and and sort of forced a lot of Christians to actually start to get yeah. get more involved in, in thinking through their faith and not just assuming it. Um, and and so I've seen a lot of positive developments, you know, within the church on that front. Um, so so I'd say you know if you look at what's available today mm-hmm. in churches, resources, and so on, in the apologetics and kind of thinking world. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hugely more than what you had at the beginning mm-hmm. of, of, you know, this decade or the decade before. So I'm, I'm quite encouraged at that level. Um, I see within evangelicalism uh, broadly, obviously, you still have your more kind of um, fundamentalist, for want right. of a better word, camps where, you know, they won't be willing to, to sort of think outside the box or, or kind of countenance different ideas. But actually, um across the broader sweep I, I see a a willingness to actually engage with culture mm-hmm. to engage with those ideas um, uh, inevitably again you you will have your camps and and to be honest, you know it does depend on which particular silo you sure. end up finding yourself mm-hmm. in, and I can imagine there are plenty of the uncritical forms of Christianity still popular um, uh, in various parts of the country, but uh, I'm I'm overall actually Mm -hmm. encouraged by the direction that things are going in overall.
1: Ultimately, I I agree. I I think the difficult part, like you said, is uh, there's sort of a process where Christians have to, grow past the, having it assumed for them that Christianity is true. And I think maybe here in the United States, I, I'm in the Southeast, we call it the Bible belt. Um, you know, so there's, there's many Christians here who haven't had to think critically. Um, and I think in the UK, you, the church there has gone through a historic process of having to think through their positions a little bit more because they're constantly encountered with, with new ideas Sure, um, and, and premier, and the work you're doing is, is a phenomenal example of that. And, 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 but maybe the best, most unique way that I know to demonstrate how effective your work has been to this point and uh, I, I'm sure that you avoid the comment sections of your videos as best as you can, because the, the comment sections is typically... In all
0: honesty, I just don't have time. Yeah, <laughs> It's well, not
1: that I don't want to look at them. It's I just don't have time to it, engage with am I'm, I'm sure that that's true. But, you know, with, with your videos, there's something interesting that happens. And so let me enlighten you. Uh, if you go to one of your videos, whether you're moderating or, or here, here lately, it seems you've been taking part more in the debates uh, since COVID has started. Um you really have about as many non-believing fans as you do believers. And the, the sentiment seems to be the same from the non-believers, whether they're atheists, pure naturalists, Hindu, Muslim, um, that they look at you as one of the few Christians who has conversations where they feel respected and represented. And as someone who started the show, because as you said, when we're out there in our workplaces, in our homes and in our schools, those are the people we're sitting next to and sharing life with. It has to be so rewarding to see after 15 years, a community of non-believers banding around you and what you're trying to do. That has to be especially rewarding. Yeah, yeah it is, absolutely. And um, the the YouTube channel, it's funny you mentioned it because
0: it's that's kind of quite a new thing, yeah. really. Um, it's only, we've only really been um, doing the YouTube thing for two and a half years. And, and that's grown quite quickly, but very quickly has become very, you know, absolutely both Christians and non-Christians yeah. who engage with it. And I guess that's just because, the content, you know, and mm-hmm, YouTube's yeah. algorithms are sending it to both both parties because it's both mm-hmm. both points of view that are represented in the videos. Um the w- I mean the thing that really, you know, where that first happened though was with the podcast, because when mm-hmm. when the show began, it was a radio a Christian show on a Christian radio station. Now right. we don't have many of those here in the UK. Sure. In fact, Premier is pretty much one of the only ones in the UK. Mm. Um, but um, but what I but if you like the, the aim of it was really for Christians having a non-Christian mm-hmm. on to discuss with was for the benefit of the Christians listening. But when we started podcasting, you know, a couple of years in, that was when we started picking up a lot of non-Christian listeners. Mm-hmm. And and that kind of changed the dynamic a bit and made me realise actually I can be serving both of these audiences yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's why, in a sense, it was so natural for the, po- the, the YouTube channel, once we got that going, to, to do the same because we mm-hmm. were well into that mold of thinking, you know, I, I wasn't, whenever I sit down to record a show now, and even if it's two Christians actually joining me on the show, I've still got in mind my agnostic atheist listeners right. who are going to be, tuning in because they mm-hmm. listen every week or yeah. watch the videos. Uh, so I, I try to, to, to kind of think of them and not mm-hmm. just assume, you know, everyone who's listening to this is, is going to be a Christian. Um, and that obviously that goes without saying with the Christian and non Christian episodes that we record. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge privilege to be in that mm-hmm. position where I get to speak to and broadcast to, and, and frankly, be friends with a lot of yeah. non Christians
1: who are who were in the audience. Yeah. When I had Andy Bannister on the show, um, and we we discussed at length his episode with Peter Singer of the um, of your show, and uh, we talked about something that I think you're very gifted at, which is not creating a straw man atheist or straw man non-believer. If you take an apologetics class, sometimes we can be very Quick to say, okay, well, this is what they're going to say, and this is who they are, and it's a very simple, and it ultimately is a straw manner it's creating for those listening, it's creating uh, an argument that that person might never defend. Um, what sitting next to the Bart Ehrmans, the Peter Singers, the Alex O'Connors, the the you know Dave Rubens—I mean, the list goes on. Um, what has been some of your largest takeaways from sitting next to these men and women who, to the the lay level Christian, sometimes they're—I ter- mean, if so I live in North Carolina. Bart Ehrman was, I think he still is, the chair of the religion department at the University of. It, when you mention Bart Ehrman's name to most conservative evangelical Christians, they bristle because they they don't know what to do with his level of scholarship.
0: Yeah. yeah. But
1: but but you sit next to him, and it seems almost as if you're
0: friends. Well, yeah, and and to be honest, <clears throat> I think I think that's the one of the big takeaways is that you can be friends. With Correct. people who yeah. are, you know, who you have fundamental ideological <laughs> or scholarly differences with, um, and in all honesty, I would never presume to try and try and do battle with Bart M and myself no. on new Test. I'm happy <laughs> yeah. to leave that to the other. Leave guests, that to Peter think, Williams, but, exactly. Um, but but it doesn't stop me actually getting on fine with Bart. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reason I've had him on the show so often, in all honesty, is because his wife is English, and so mm-hmm. he's been over in the UK. Quite frequently over the years Mm -hmm. to visit family, and so he's often had the time to come in, Mm -hmm. in, and he's almost always got a new book out each year, so it's always a good (laughs) reason. Uh, uh, But we can joke about that, you know, and it's fine, and and he's he's quite good humoured, and and Mm so you know we just get on, and that's Mm -hmm. true. So being whether you're a Christian or an atheist, who you are is really what determines whether I'm going to have have a friendship with you, Mm -hmm. and I seem to be able to get on. Just as happily yeah. with with atheists as Christians, um, Alex O'Connor, who you mentioned, yeah. Um, the first interaction I had with Alex was when he published a video. This was early in his sort of YouTubing career before mm-hmm. he'd gone to Oxford University. Responding to a sort of apologetics video I'd made about fine tuning, and uh, he did a kind yeah. of takedown kind of video. Mm-hmm. Who is this guy claiming the fine tuning exists? Uh, and he was quite caustic, frankly, in the video. Yeah. But I, I reached out to him because I just think I. I, I I honestly don't. I don't get offended. In all honesty, when people yeah. sort of do that sort of thing online, it's just it's just the way it is, you know. Yeah. And and so when I reached out and said, "Why don't you come on my show? We'll have a chat about it." And I brought someone <laughs> else on to discuss it, and we just had. And he was actually almost slightly, you know, he won't mind me saying this. He was almost slightly embarrassed about the way he had spoken yeah, sure. a little bit in the video. Now that he was sitting in the studio um, with me. Um, But that led on to a a good Mm -hmm. friendship and we keep in touch. We, we, you know, we've um, met each other just socially. We, Mm -hmm. you know, last time he came on the show, we all went myself and the Christian guest, we all went out for for lunch afterwards. And, um, you know, I, I I just think that's good. You know, just, just, if you don't kind of, get to know people on that kind of level, then you are only ever going to be interacting with the ideas and right. and that's, you only see half the person at that mm-hmm. point. So yeah. so that's, that's I, I
1: think, you know, that, that just works for me. That's the kind of person I am. Well, and I think we should all try and be more that way. Um, I try uh, doing this, I, I've rubbed elbows with with quite a few non-believers on social media. And it's, I think that holds true is that they see in people like you, um, a genuine appreciation for, for them as a person and not as an, as an enemy. And for, from what I can tell, Alex O'Connor gets along with almost everybody. Uh, yeah. He's, I mean, he well, seems well, to be... Alex is a
0: very reasonable guy. Now, he mm-hmm. goes hard in some of his yes. videos. And, sure. You know, he, I think he would be the first to admit there's a, there's certainly, especially in his earlier videos, quite mm-hmm. a fair bit of polemic potentially, but actually get him get him one-to-one. He's, mm-hmm. he's a very nice guy, very normal yeah um sure. will you know and and i've seen actually increasingly in his videos a real willingness actually to to take seriously
1: yeah
0: the christian arguments not to simply dismiss them and sort yeah. of you know treat them kind of casually or dismissively so so mm-hmm. i i i think of someone like and and that gives me heart you know because i yes. i i can really get on with someone who's who's genuinely engaging the issues even as an atheist than yes. someone who i know is just basically Batting them off in a kind of very dismissive way. So, yeah. yeah,
1: do you th- do you think um, th- for the non-believers listening and watching your shows um, that there is an appeal for them, given the fact that you're you're quite open with the goal of the show being open conversation, but you yourself are, I mean, you do a very good job remaining neutral during these these conversations and, and just trying to maintain the conversation. But, but do you, do you ever have non-believers just appreciate that, that you're honest about the goal of the show? Because I think non-believers sometimes accuse Christians of either a very hard sell apologetic, or even sometimes that maybe what they might perceive as like a deceptive evangelism, um, you know, kind of sne- sneaking Jesus in and you're very open and say, I'm just trying to teach Christians how to have conversations, but you're welcome at the table. Do you think that that's part of the appeal? For, for sure. Yeah. Though I, I should say, I also
0: try to be open about the fact that I am a Christian. Right. There is, exactly. of course, an underlying motive. I do want people to become Christians because I think exactly. it's true, but I'm willing to hear from an atheist who thinks mm-hmm. that people shouldn't believe it because they think that's true. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I hope, yeah, we definitely give off the, that idea that, that this is an open table where mm-hmm. we're here to have the discussions and, we're not going to, I think that what's different about unbelievable is, and has been really since its inception, is that it, it doesn't try to create a winner or it yes. it, it gives both sides. You know, you may come away from a show feeling like the non-believer had the upper hand mm-hmm. and that's just the way it goes. That's the way the chips fell on that particular right. episode. So so it's it's never you know it, it, in that sense it's always been a slightly risky prospect as well um you know premier frankly took a bit of a gamble um yeah. putting non christians on air and mm-hmm. you know i still have a great deal of respect for peter carriage still the ceo of premier for for taking that risk because mm-hmm. i think it's paid off because actually it created something that you wouldn't have been able to have otherwise yeah um and so, yeah, that's the nature of the show, um, and I think it's the reason why a lot of non Christians listen because they do genuinely feel like there's there's an actual fair playing field here, yeah. and it's not they're not just walking into some kind of, you know, pre set up Christian mm-hmm. gotcha kind of scenario. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, th- I think that's a big yeah. big reason for it.
1: Well, and I've I haven't had a non believer on this show yet. Um, hopefully, one day that might happen, uh, but. I've, I've even had Christians speak into that and say, you don't want to give them a pulpit. You don't, you don't want to give them the opportunity to profess their belief. And I just, I, I, to me and what I've seen in you, you've been a huge encouragement to me professionally because uh, we, we have such similar motifs, but is if we truly believe that the Christian message is true, then we won't mind it being put up against other messages um, yeah. That are making truth claims, and 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 don't get me wrong, I'm not going to sort of just give the whole floor to <laughs> yeah. an atheist
0: for the whole mm-hmm. of a show just yeah. to say what they want. Um, you know, inevitably, I'm I'm interested in the balanced conversation, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that for every point an atheist brings out in the program, that we hear a cogent Christian response as well. Mm-hmm. But but I do think that it's important to have to have that balance, you know, mm-hmm. because that's the way things happen in the real world you know yeah. and we can't create a we well we can create a christian bubble where yes. um, and there's nothing wrong with doing the shows where it is just christians talking yeah. about you know, the ask and to Write anything show is mm-hmm. a prime example of that obviously we're just sitting down two christians essentially ask answering things from a directly christian perspective um but i think there is an important place because of the culture we live in and because skepticism is only a Google click away. Even Mm -hmm. if you live in the Bible belt, (laughs) you're hardly insulated from, from those Mm -hmm. challenges. Um, then, then I think that's why, you know, something like unbelievable is important and, and I'm very encouraged. I see lots of other examples, similar kinds of shows now developing, um, especially in Mm -hmm. YouTube area, Mm podcast and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, it has become a formula. I think that lots of people are willing to do, Mm -hmm. but again, it's about, um, it's about almost having the maturity to be able to hear objections without having that knee jerk response of fear now i understand why that is a response for many people mm-hmm. but it's almost something you have to <laughs> press into to, yeah. to grow out of because if you don't hear the arguments and then understand and look into and you know research the answers mm-hmm. you you in, inevitably you kind of end up be, you know, no, you'll never be able to engage when your own children, you know, yes. ask you those questions when mm-hmm. your friend has a crisis of faith, you won't have been given any training to actually engage that. And for me, that's, that's where the value lies yeah. in it. Yeah.
1: Well, and you're pioneering in this way. Um, I know you, it wasn't just simply you obviously premier. And then there are so many other examples of shows and in things like, like yours, but uh, your pioneering in that way has led towards, like we've said, to a great degree, this benevolent attitude towards you and Unbelievable from non-believers. But when you started the show in 2005, the the thing, and I was in undergraduate studies at that time, um, the thing that was the, the vogue philosophy was new atheism at that time. Um, and I've heard you speak at great length about new atheism. Does this benevolent attitude towards you and Unbelievable and you sitting next to a Bart Ehrman, um, Alex O'Connor, begin to give you hope that new atheim, atheism didn't take as much hold as we thought it might
0: yes and and i've been thinking of that for a, quite a while now actually that the new atheism to, to some extent is quite a passe phenomenon now it, mm-hmm. it still exists in pockets on the yeah. internet quite strongly mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but um you know richard dawkins has really been is is no longer the the kind of public intellectual that he was right. once sort of brought out as uh, he he really is seen to some extent as uh a, a, as an almost caricature of himself um mm-hmm. in in many ways these days and i i think the conversation i've talked about this on some shows and other areas has, has really moved on actually quite a bit mm-hmm. now from the new atheist sort of way of seeing things i think the most people are most interested now in secular thinkers who have um a wider range of interests and are actually talking across the faith, you know, so classic example, Jordan Peterson, someone like that, who is not a Christian, but Mm -hmm. has had huge influence uh, across both Christian and secular culture. Um, Equally, when I sit down now with a Dave Rubin, you know, who once would have described himself as being in the kind of Dawkins Harris kind of camp now says, no, actually I've projected the, even the label atheism. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested actually, in, in what's going on, and and so it just feels like the conversation is, is has moved on in that kind of way, um, and I see a lot more actually very fruitful, friendly kind of interactions between Christians mm-hmm. and secular counterparts, people willing to sit down and talk with each other, not think the worst of each other. Um, even even Sam Harris, to some extent, you know, uh, I mean, he's, he's pretty caustic, can be mm-hmm. pretty caustic, but he's, I think, his concerns have changed, I, and and I think I see this across the board. Um, actually, uh, in so many of those who were kind of quite fully in the new atheist camp, they've suddenly realised actually Christianity isn't our biggest threat. <laughs> right.
1: um,
0: they they see it as a kind of the, the very progressive liberal woke mindset now, mm-hmm. which they see as as a far bigger threat now to mm-hmm. academic freedom, sp- freedom of thought, speech, etc. Um, and and in a funny way, is causing alliances between more conservative Christians and yeah. those those commentators that you wouldn't have expected. So, I mean, classic example is uh, I had Peter Boghossian on my show, probably getting on for 10 years ago. Now I can't remember, but at the time he would published, you know, that book, how a manual for creating atheists, Mm -hmm. it was very firmly in the new atheist camp. And, and he had a good, you know, discussion. I thought Tim McGrew did a very good job with him on that show, but I went back to him a couple of years ago to say, would you like to come back on? Um, And he said, to be honest, uh, you'll find me a very different person now. I am really not interested in bashing Christianity anymore. Hmm. Uh, I, there's a much bigger threat. And as we saw, he went on to become, he's been a very vocal critic, Peter Boghossian, of, of the sort of identity politics kind right. of academic movement. And and actually very friendly now with many mm-hmm. Christians who kind of side with him on that. So yeah. So it's just been interesting to see that change actually.
1: Yeah. Well, and you've had the great honor of sitting next to you know Tom Holland, uh, Dave Rubin, Jordan Peterson and I think the most interesting episodes that I've been watching lately of Unbelievable are when you have a Tom Holland who is still to this point I don't believe is is a professing Christian but extremely friendly to Christianity Um, and for listeners uh, Tom Holland is a brilliant historian who makes the claim that Christianity really is to thank for most of the positive things in our society and is no longer should be not seen as an enemy. Um, but it's, it's interesting when you have a Tom Holland or a Jordan Peterson debating or conversing with a non-Christian, and then there's Justin Brierley sitting in the middle as, as the Christian at the table. What, what is it about Christianity in, that you've seen sitting at that table with with these various people who are not Christian but are very friendly towards Christianity in some respect. What is it about Christianity that seems to appeal to them? It can't just be that it's not, it shouldn't be the biggest enemy anymore. It's, it's interesting. I, I think it's because those people
0: who, who you mention, and those, those would be prime examples. Another would be Douglas Murray, who I had on the show mm-hmm. at the start of the year and, and others. I think, I think they recognize, rather like I do, that actually every position takes a certain amount of faith um, right. And, and to, to simply be an atheist secularist is not to say I I have no faith position. It mm-hmm. is to say, I believe in this way, this view of reality. Um, and, and I think what a lot of them are starting to realize more and more is that certainly the new atheists are just as dogmatic and, um, you know, have a faith position as, as a, a Christian does. Um, and, and. And they're starting, I think, to to just realize that actually um, we need to choose between these and we need to work out what makes most sense. Now, especially the the common denominator among all those people you've mentioned is the realization that what we enjoy in Western society, democracy, human value, rights, and so on, they are not just um, the inevitable outcome of what happens as humans progress. They are very contingent upon Mm -hmm. our history and what happened 2000 years ago in the Christian revolution. And I think, um, and even if those thinkers don't believe in the metaphysical claims of Christianity, they are very convinced about the the historical aspect of Mm. what brought us to where we are. And I think they are seeing big problem that they now see, you know, the claims of the the Hitchens and Dawkins and co, who say we'd be so much better off without Christianity, as just historically naive. Um, they 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 genuinely think that is a very poor way of of yeah. thinking about history and culture. So without you know embracing Christianity, they they are incredibly grateful for it, mm-hmm. and and in some cases, wistfully would like it to be true as well. That came through quite strongly in the Douglas Murray episode we did, you know, he talked about how he really would love to be able to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And, and that's where, you know, you have some of the most interesting conversations is with atheists Mm -hmm. who want to be Christians. It's like, Mm -hmm. What's stopping you? And, and, and yeah. And then, and then you obviously get into sort of the the evidential side of things as well. Sure. But, yeah. I, I,
1: my favorite example of, 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 of what we're talking about is Tom Holland. Um, on, on the episode, I, I think he was discussing with, um, AC Gray. Um, AC Grayling, yeah. 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 And, uh, he brought out a list of all the locations where secular humanist conferences had taken place and he listed 20 to 25 and and all of them were in European, all but one, one was in Mumbai, I believe, but Mm -hmm. um, they were all in Europe, very Western places, we should say. And he, he, you know, he sort of tongue in cheek said, why why are there no secular humanist conferences in Beijing? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and obviously that's, not something to simply hang our hat on, but you see you see the beginnings of formation of a system of thought that men like uh, Tom Holland and, and Jordan Peterson are are sort of bringing uh, non-believers to, is that in the same way that you and I try and not develop a straw man non-believer, I believe we're seeing Jordan Peterson and and, and and there's a lot of people who don't love Jordan Peterson and Tom Holland for for many reasons but but it seems as if they're bringing about a formation of thought that people are no longer developing a strawman Christian either um, is that the people who you're bringing onto the show they have a great yeah. respect for Christianity even if they think it's it's completely untrue
0: sure yeah and 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 I think I think what those who have more of a historical grounding in in it are able to see is what often, frankly, many Christians overlook, which is the the incredibly rich uh, intellectual tradition yeah. in Christianity mm-hmm. that so many of our philosophers and scientists, you yeah. know, uh, have been Christian, and and their ideas have shaped the way we think about life, whether we think of it as specifically Christian or not, you know. Um, so, so I I, I think. The problem is you see that the new atheists are responding and quite rightly in some cases to a very contemporary form of fideistic unthinking mm-hmm. kind of uh, Christianity that, that you know, uh, wants to have power um, in a world yeah. that has changed. So, So that's fine and I can understand mm-hmm. that response, but what they often aren't responding to is actually the historic intellectual core mm-hmm. of Christianity. Which um, I think once you see it, you can't unsee it, and you can't simply treat Christianity as fairy tales and wishful thinking. Right. Once you realize just how powerful the intellectual ideas of it have have yeah. been.
1: Yeah, and along with that, you you in representing Christianity in that way that Dawkins and Hitchens, um, and, and to a certain degree, Sam Harris um, have is when it it, it doesn't hold true when you meet the average Christian, they're not power hungry, they're not chauvinistic. Um, And if they're, and if they're truly devout, oftentimes they have at least some basis of understanding of the intellectual side of Christianity. So I think, I think unbelievable, uh, and shows like it, uh, Lord willing, even this show, might just continue to bring about that under, that, that understanding at a popular level yeah. between the yeah. two camps that uh, let's not sling mud quite as much as we used to.
0: And we're all guilty of creating straw men, and yeah. that atheists have been, Christians have been. But when we actually meet people who are actually the best <laughs> yeah. representatives of each side, you have a very different conversation, and, and that's mm-hmm. what we've tried to do. Yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, in, in continuing on, there's there's a couple things that, when I, when you agreed to be on the show, I thought, well, I can't let him get away without asking some things for just me, uh, you know, cause cause you, you your beginnings with premier um, remind me so much of some of the things that I've gone through, even with this show. Um, and I've heard you tell the story of your coming to faith. And it sounds so similar to, to so many young Christians. Cause you were, you were brought up in church and you were brought up in a youth group and your story really would fit in quite well with, uh, many young American Christians. Um, but most young Christians don't grow up to do what you do. And I often find myself even in the infancy of this show amazed at the people I'm privileged to talk with, even when they're saying no to being on the show. Um, I I remember the first time I got an email from, I've been trying to get Alvin Plantinga to, to do the show. Obviously, um, uh, he's, he's not a young man anymore. I think he's to the point where he doesn't do much press or anything. But when I got an email from Elvin Plantinga saying, no, that made my day. <laughs> and, and there's been so many of that, you know, when you and I were corresponding, I, I looked at my wife and just said, Justin Brierly sent me an email, you know? So do, do you remember just kind of re- going through that and, and just feeling as if maybe the Lord was bringing you to a place where you were you were like, how, how did this happen? You know? I- well, yeah, I mean, I,
0: I it, it, we live in incredibly privileged position. I, and I, I am just so privileged to, to have had the opportunity to, to have reached out and as, as the show has obviously gained more followers and mm-hmm. recognition, it's been easier and easier in yeah. a way to, to approach people because, because the, the you know, people have heard of it and, mm-hmm. and they'll, you know, know that it's out there and reputable and everything. But, um, but it, but it what I have been surprised by, actually, some people assume that all of these well-known people are kind of somehow far away and uh, you know, right. really difficult to contact. Most of the people I get on the show is because they actually do have an email address yeah. on a on a um, academic site or mm-hmm. something, and they answer their own emails. Yeah. They don't. All, they're all, not all behind some agent or yeah. PA or something that you have to fight through. Um, it's surprising sometimes, actually, mm-hmm. um, that that you can what you can do just simply yeah. by asking. Um, and, and I think in some ways um, that's a reminder that these are just normal people as well. 100%, I, when yeah. you say I received an email from Justin Briarley, I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, what's unusual about well, that? It, um, yeah. It's But that's probably the same of an Alvin planting it. I think he isn't a guy who's terribly aware of his, the, the esteem <laughs> he's held in by no. so many people. And he's just there and gets yeah. an email and is like, Oh, someone, I don't have time. Sorry. Yeah. Whatever. But the, The point being, actually, I I think the problem comes when people do believe their own hype, you know? (laughs) Um, But thankfully, most people actually. Are quite normal, and that's mm-hmm. been my experience. Actually, that that, yeah. that it turns out people are really like you and me most of the time.
1: Yeah, mo- most of the time. Um, I've not had it, I've not had it, too many negative experiences yet. Um, but you're right. Uh, with with the right amount of work and uh, googling and and networking, you can you can reach just about anybody. But uh, but it has to be a, a reminder, though, for you of, uh, of of just this path that the Lord's brought you on, and you know, going from. Uh, being at Oxford and in doing drama and uh, Christian evangelism through drama and things like that to now doing what you do. um, I think that it's best exemplified in the book, unbelievable that you wrote and the title, which I I referenced already uh, the title says everything. Um, So the question then after sitting with the best advocates that non-Christian belief has, why are you still a Christian after 15 years of it?
0: Well, that 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 yeah, because when I wrote the book, the title said, why ten after years. 10 years of yeah. talking with atheists. So um, uh, the book came out, yeah, probably about three and a half years ago. So kind of at the time where I started mm-hmm. really writing the book, it was at about the 10-year mark. Um, and yeah, 15 years on, uh, certainly the arguments that I've made in that book still stand, that mm-hmm. there are even other things I would add to it, really, um, because we're always growing and developing. But yeah, I, I suppose, I mean, the, one of the main lessons I learned, I suppose, fairly early on in the show, is that um, we're all, as I said earlier, we all inhabit a worldview, a way of looking at reality, Mm -hmm. and we tend to filter everything through that worldview, by and large. Um, And that's true of atheists and Christians. So very frequently, the assumption is that Christians have to do all the heavy lifting of defending their worldview against, Mm -hmm. say, an atheist asking difficult questions. And the atheist can sort of assume, I don't have a burden of proof because my view is just the normal one. It's the Mm -hmm. Christians making all these crazy claims about God and angels and resurrections. Um, And, and yes, we certainly do have beliefs to defend, but what, what is really helpful, I think to understand is that the atheist has a whole bunch of beliefs to defend as well, because most atheists I meet do subscribe to something called naturalism. The idea that all that exists is matter in, in motion. That, that everything can ultimately be reduced to that, can be explained by that. And what I find is that there's a whole bunch of things, actually, that it's mm-hmm. really hard to explain on that philosophy, on that worldview. And I go through in the book, the first chapters of the book really are explaining why I think, um, if you're just looking at these two views, Christian theism and naturalism, why I think there's a whole bunch of evidence, we're all looking at the same evidence, the same data, that is best explained by a Christian worldview against Mm. an atheistic naturalistic worldview. And that for me has been a really helpful way of thinking because it's not that I have to prove Christianity is true. It's not that I have to show you some logical argument, which you cannot possibly object to, to to show that Christianity makes sense, that it's a reasonable, rational option for a thinking person. All, All I really have to do is say... It makes sense. It, yeah. it, it makes sense of the evidence. We're both trying mm-hmm. to make sense of the evidence. And I think Christianity actually does a pretty good job if we're mm-hmm. just looking at it in purely objective terms. Um, and, I th- and, I th- and I can see why people choose atheism. I can see that there are arguments on that side, mm-hmm. ways of understanding it. But in the final analysis, for me, Christianity just makes better sense of a whole range of data that cumulatively make me think Christianity is a rational option. Now, of course, it's not just because of those evidences that I'm a Christian. There's a whole set of psychological and experiential aspect of who I am that make me a Christian. But if we're just looking at the data, um, I think I think it's 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 a reasonable option to be a Christian, and you can make that case. And that's mm-hmm. that's been a really helpful thing for me as I've as I've approached these issues over the years. Yeah. Well, and there's nobody better
1: uh, to speak to that um, than, than someone in your position. Um, having heard for the last 15 years why Christianity doesn't make sense, I think people should perk up when they hear you, of all people say, well, actually, I, I think it does. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I'm super thankful for, for that. But um, before I let you go, and you may have seen this on the social media promotion, I, I, I've been telling people, that I just don't think that you get enough. uh, um, You don't get showcased enough. I should say that Uh, because, because I know for me, even speaking, uh, to, to somebody like Andy Bannister, who has a PhD in Islamic studies. Well, I, I know quite a bit about Islam, but I don't know as much about Islam as Andy Bannister. So I know for you, there's probably quite a bit of times where you say, well, I, I have something I'd like to say about that. But then there's Bart Ehrman and Tim Keller. <laughs> yeah. um, and you just say, I'm just going to let Tim Keller say.
0: Well, absolutely. I, the vast majority of the time, the best thing for me to do is, is keep my mouth shut <laughs> right. and let the other people do the talking. But yeah. I, I, I have, I mean, I see myself as a bit of a... <clears throat> um, someone who can hopefully boil down some of those big a- academics yeah. at, at, at a lay level. Um, and I don't claim to have any PhDs or anything yeah. like that to my name. Um, but I've I've learned enough to be able to sort of that's, convey some of it.
1: <laughs> that, yeah, I, I compl- that's how I see myself as well. Is just trying to help people understand what Alvin Plantinga is saying, sure. yeah. um, which you did a great job just a few minutes ago. But, um, but so anyway, so I, I gave some of my followers the opportunity to say, we're going to, we're going to have a, just a mini featurette. We're going to call it Ask Justin Brierley Anything. <laughs> um, I don't have the premier intro or anything like that, but just imagine th- that it's there. And uh, okay. our, our first question actually comes from a, a mentor of mine who studied, got his PhD in Durham while uh, Tom Wright was the bishop there. And he said he, his PhD was in Pauline Studies, New Testament Studies. And he said that Tom Wright would sometimes come into the room. He wasn't a reader or a, a, you know, a faculty member there, Uh, but he would sometimes come in the room while, while he was presenting his work and ask him questions. And he said, it was, it was a horribly intimidating experience, but. um, (laughs) So, but on, on the notion of Tom Wright, Gary from North Carolina says, having to know, having gotten to know Tom Wright as well uh, as you have, and interviewed him extensively on theological, personal, pastoral and practical topics, uh, what impresses you most about Tom Wright? Well, there's a long list, I'd imagine. Where do yeah. you begin? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just
0: just on an intellectual level, he he is quite extraordinary. Um, a, a polymath in in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, just his ability. Uh, just, just you can ask him anything almost, and he will be able to relate it to history, scripture, ethics society he he really is extraordinary in that way um he has an almost photographic memory for for certain things um he's obviously just brilliant at you know greek scholarship and everything Mm -hmm. else so so there's that side of him but actually i i think what is rather unique about tom is that he marries it with an incredibly pastoral approach um Mm -hmm. he's very good he's just got a very natural um way with people um it's why he was you know a bishop as well as Mm -hmm. being a high-flying academic um, because he was able to do that kind of work that kind of pastoral side of of which is required and i honestly don't know how he did it in all honesty because he was still (laughs) producing books while Mm -hmm. holding down a very significant post in the church of england um but either way um i yeah and whenever i interact with him I, I really get that sense that he genuinely cares about the questions about the people um, he um, he he's just very much a people person he's he describes himself as an extrovert and that mm-hmm. comes through he loves just sitting down and chatting with people you know uh, whenever we finished up you know recording an episode of the show, the Ask him to write anything show he often just, you know, have something interesting, a story to tell about someone he met and they had this mm-hmm. really interesting conversation. So he's just that kind of guy. Um, and, and that comes through, uh, mm-hmm. and it's just a joy to sort of sit and, and chat with him in that kind of way. And, and, and also uh, just to add one yet, yet one more thing, I mean, sure. and a genuinely spiritual person mm-hmm. who is committed to praying and to genuinely trusting God and, Mm -hmm. you know, praying, you know, he prays for people. He has Mm -hmm. a list that he prays through every day and, Mm -hmm. you know, commits that time and and makes sure that that's a priority. Yeah. Um, And, and I just, I just find that incredibly inspiring and something
1: I, I uh, you know, want myself to, to, to reach towards Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. One, one more note of that that I've seen, because I, I, I can see everything you just said. It's like I can hear him and he always makes sure to say, I, I can't pastor you through a podcast. But you're right. He does have such a, a generous, magnanimous heart. Um, you might not remember this because of the sheer amount of recording that you do. Uh, but he told a story on Ask N.T. Write Anything about a young missionary who had a quote of his tattooed on his arm and uh that he had met at a conference and they had corresponded well that, that was actually a friend of mine oh, wow. um and who who we had talked about that and and he said that as amazing as that was to be mentioned on the show the most amazing part was that tom had emailed back and forth with him and mm-hmm. just encouraged him because he he's a missionary in papua new guinea and and it's a horribly discouraging place to be you know trying to share the gospel um yeah. so, to, so tom right was a huge encouragement to him um uh, the ne- the next question from Steven in Illinois, and this kind of goes along with what we were saying about the looking around and going, Lord, how did we get here? Is what guest were you most excited to have on the show? Because um, I know for me, like people like you, people like Andy Bannister, I- I'm sort of like these are people who I read, who I listen to. Mm-hmm. Who who were you most excited to have on the show?
0: Well, it 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 it. it... I, it's it's hard to choose at in this point, yeah, because because there there have been so many people who, when they've said yes or it's worked out, I've been like, whoa, I never thought, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, th- this person won't be as well known as others mm-hmm. in in your neck of the woods, but but when I was first able to get an interview with Darren Brown, um, yeah, he that was super significant for me because mm-hmm. um, Darren Brown has been a huge. Um, performer uh, illusionist of stage and screen here in the uk for some quite some time he's he he's not so well known in the us so right. so so therefore the name wouldn't wouldn't necessarily ring as many bells there but um i mean he certainly is big enough to have appeared on you know the joe rogan podcast mm-hmm. and be, you know featured he's got series on netflix and everything but um he's um but when i uh, having sort of watched him you know from almost yeah probably before I started unbelievable you know as a tv personality and, and everything when I was able to land my, the first interview I got to do with him uh that that was just like whoa th- this is amazing I yeah. um because um and again it was one of those situations where once you meet him you realize he's very normal mm-hmm. and uh and it literally is a kind of stage persona that you see on stage mm-hmm. um uh, but but very sort of down to earth happy to chat through his experience yeah. um, and to, to, to give people the short story behind Darren Brown, he was, uh, he kind of grew up in a, a kind of Christian setting as a Christian, as a young man, but sort of lost his faith kind of university years for various reasons, but, but started this um, extraordinary, what would have become career in magic and illusion, mm-hmm. which has taken, you know, which, and he is again, an incredibly intelligent guy. Um, but, um, he was doing a, uh, several years ago now, um, he was doing this stage show called Miracles, in which he was essentially critiquing the mm. kind of health and wealth, prosperity, yeah. give you a miracle kind of um, forms of Christianity and showing how he could sort of replicate it really um, in, mm. uh, through illusion. Um, and that was a very challenging, actually, set of shows. Um so I was really glad to be able to sort of go along to that and then sort of the morning mm-hmm. after in after one particular stage show in Nottingham, um, sit down with him and have an interview. And, yeah. and we just had, you know, he gave me far more time than I'd actually mm-hmm. initially asked for. And we just had a really good, good conversation. So mm-hmm. that uh, that was one where, yeah, I was really like, over the moon to, to have yeah. had that kind of a conversation
1: i can i can relate because early on in the show brian broderson agreed to do this show who i think you know and um and brian broderson made a huge impact on me through listening to his sermons but most of my friends d- don't know who he is and he's not very famous and so sometimes it is the ones that are just have made the imprint on you mm. uh, that we get most excited about of course um, so, so i can i can certainly relate but mm. um uh, the last one um, from Josh in North Carolina. When when interviewing, discussing with a non-believer, how do you balance listening and processing their beliefs with challenging those beliefs without ending the conversation?
0: Mm. Well, my, a lot of the time, I'm obviously hosting the yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. So so I, I it, to some extent, it's not me who's having to, to do the challenging. I'm kind of throwing the the ball across to the other Mm -hmm. participant to to do that and that in a way is a helpful thing actually when you're not having to be the the person defending christianity but you're hosting it It gives you Mm -hmm. the ability to just kind of keep keep both sides talking to each other in that kind of way i think it is harder when you are actually the one Mm -hmm. doing the debating and i have been in that chair more often in recent years and and that's where you do have to i think be very uh, careful, um, and considerate about how to respond graciously, but firmly, but without kind of, yeah, seeming to kind of say without, without stopping the conversation. I know, mm-hmm. I know exactly what that, where that question's coming from. Yeah. And it is a real heart actually. Mm-hmm. And there are people who, uh, who do it really well. Mm-hmm. And there are people who don't do it well, frankly, yeah. there are people who, mm-hmm. where you just feel like it's a kind of, butting of heads that yeah. happens on a show. But when you get the right person who, who can just gracefully respond, but not make the pe- person feel like they've just said something really dumb or, mm-hmm. or whatever. I think, I think that really helps. I mean, a classic example, this is the, the show that we'll have just dead. I think by the time this podcast comes out, mm-hmm. I just did a show with um, <clears throat> uh, on whether Jesus was uh, uh, more than just a moral teacher. Right, um, and uh, Julian Baggini is the atheist philosopher who's written a book on that subject recently. And the person I decided to put him in t- uh, contact with, is, uh, on the show with, is Sky Gitani, who's a sort of Christian thinker and writer and mm-hmm. author. And Sky just did, and as you'll hear if you go back and listen to to the latest show as this podcast airs, mm-hmm. um, Sky just did a masterful job, and mm. I, I I couldn't fault it. Just a masterful job at engaging graciously winsomely but very like helpfully theologically culturally to to the questions that we were discussing and just making it feel like we just had a great conversation Mm -hmm. uh but that he really you know was clear about where he disagreed but was very happy to affirm the things that he could affirm in in the book that julian's written and and yeah it was it was just the kind of conversation where you could easily see that developing into a friendship, into a really fruitful further conversation down the line. You haven't you haven't kind of, you know, burned your bridges in the mm-hmm. courses of, of having the conversation. And I, I think that's a really excellent
1: way yeah. of engaging. And obviously, we need it across all of our public life, not just in apologetic. Right. Absolutely. And uh, in, in, in your show and, and the impact that it's had, is obviously leaving an imprint on the kingdom of God where that's becoming more common. Andy Bannister said the same thing when he was on the show. He said after he and Peter Singer had this conversation, and for those who don't know Peter Singer, his worldview is about as different from Christianity as you can possibly get. Um, but Andy said you know, he would have liked to have gone out for a pint with Peter yeah. after the show, because it, cause in, 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 Justin, I truly believe it's because of uh, your obedience to to the call of God on from God on your life. Um, the atmosphere that you're setting up and the passion in which you're uh, chasing after it. And it's a huge inspiration to, to people like me. And so uh, not only do I thank you for, for the sh- being on the show today, but I, I'm very thankful for everything you're doing um, with premier with with Tom Wright with unbelievable and so uh thank you thank you so much well thank you very much Jeremy it's been an absolute pleasure